the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad to have you with us this morning. I am Veda with Palladio. Yes, she is, and I'm Kenneth Mabry with Dan West Garden Centers. Yes, you are. Yep. And I'm the other one. <laughs> The other Hi. one is with us this morning. I am Jim. Thanks one of these days, he's going to give us just an honest assessment of who he really right. is. You know? But then we'll be here a <laughs> no, while. No, you can't say that on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> but good morning, Mr. Jim and Miss Veda. Good morning. If y'all want to get up early and call us, 260-5926. You can stream us online at right now at Radio KWAM. Thank you. KWAM. Radio.com. Yep. And, of course, go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page, and there's Miss Veda right there. Yep. Live. Yeah. And shoot us Are a text. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're live. Okay. You're, it's real. And guys, <laughs> yeah. this is what uh, we got Christmas coming up, and then we have the Do New we? Year's when coming is up. Christmas? It's like <laughs> a week from today. Oh, my gosh. And it I was happened out, so fast. Yeah, it did. And I'll tell you, I was out in the masses. I told you yesterday, this morning telling y'all I was out and about. And I, I could hardly stand it. And, and like I told you, I, I never could find what they were giving away out there because they must be giving something <laughs> away because it was Insane. everybody, yes. Well, yes. if you don't want to uh, go through the huge crowds like that and you have gardeners on your list, the garden centers are, they're still busy, but it's not crazy like mm-hmm. that. And there's so many good things. We had someone come in and just buy a a whole amount of tools like mm-hmm. some real like the hor hor knife or just and the um the ratchet pruners yep so i know y'all you have those knives yeah too, and the you? uh yeah. you know the gift certificates are always mm-hmm. good uh the memphis area master gardener calendar is definitely oh, a stocking yeah. stuffer um, still put bulbs in there i mean there are definitely some great gifts for the gardener right at moisture, the garden center moisture meters yeah compost i mean i wouldn't Mind a bag of compost for Christmas? Well, it's not at the top it, of my list. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> just don't put it under the tree. Well, just a clean yeah. bag. You know, we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, you can go out. Wouldn't that be a surprise? You go out in the garage, and you've got Santa came to see you, mm-hmm. and you've got your compost out there, your tools out mm-hmm. there, a plant or so, and it's like Merry Christmas. In the old gift certificate for what you didn't get. Right? Yeah, right. You know? Right, and and. Then the uh, husband goes, oh, this isn't Merry Christmas for me because I have to plant it all. Well, it's funny, (laughs) though. My mom called me uh, about a week ago. And one thing that we always get her is a calendar, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, she loves the Memphis Area Master Gardener calendar with the pictures and, you know, all that stuff in it. Now, she doesn't garden as much as she used to, but she still likes to get out there and do a little bit. Mm -hmm. But this is, you know, even because she's getting older, right? But it's still kind of an inspiration to her to sit there and read it. You know, this is what I should be doing. This is what I used to do. Well, maybe I can do a little bit of this, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, Jim, what's under, what do you want under your Christmas tree? Um, and I'm going to number the packages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would, yeah. You know, this, at my age, there's not a whole lot I need. If it is, I just order it and it shows up in a day or two from now. No, right. Like so it's Santa every day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's fun. You know, it's coming up. But but just for the gardener, it's uh, people love them. I'm telling well, you. You know, we have a a lot of tourists that are coming through, and when they're in there, I'm telling them about the radio show and giving them all the information. And they're lo- they love how much Memphis does in terms of the gardening thing. So, um, 
they're like going home and tuning us in. Or there's new people coming into the garden center, the younger kids that do the houseplants and all. And uh, they want to listen, too. But it was really neat how the tourists are so into the gardening. And I guess that's you are into gardening if you're a tourist and you're going to stop at the garden center. Yeah, no doubt. Instead of the antique shop. And you you mentioned (laughs) the younger kids and the houseplants. You know, it's like started two years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's just sure been not. a just a surge in houseplant sales. It's uh, amazing, and I guess COVID, you know, had something to do with that. People were at home and they wanted to bring the green indoors, and they did. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. and they're still doing it. So to me, that's pretty cool. Their favorite one is the one that's the absolute hardest to grow. What, like a hoya or something, or the uh, fiddly fig. Well, yeah, uh, but. If anybody wants a fiddle, 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 excuse me, fiddle leaf fig, there we found let them go really dry mm-hmm. and of course as much light as possible. Mm-hmm. But you know they can handle medium light and you're good to go. But if you water them to keep them moist, forget it. it. The best thing is let them get on the dry side before you come back and water, which is almost true on any yeah, house really. plant that you buy. Just general rule of thumb. But thank goodness to me, the fiddle leaf fig that has that big leaf on it, to me, it's easier to grow than the small leaved ficus tree oh this is true. it just is yeah. you know it doesn't drop leaves as bad as the other one also mm-hmm. now jim you know how it is you can move a fig tree from one room to another move from one side of the window yeah. to the and other. it yeah. will just start aborting every leaf it has in fact a lady brought in some samples the other day of the uh benjamina this small leaved uh ficus tree and y'all have been dropping leaves because she had just moved the thing uh-huh. but at the same time it was putting on new growth and i told her that's what's important you know right I mean, if y'all think about it, we're getting the houseplants from Florida. And like Jim was saying, of course, they're grown in brighter light than indoors. So we get that first they've got to get on the truck, which is dark for maybe, what, a day, day and a half. Then we unload them. Or a week. Yeah, we won't say that part. (laughs) (laughs) We unload them, unsleeve them, put them up in different light situations. So we do see some leaves coming off because it's adjusting to the different light situations. And then it goes to your home as well. Still looks good, but it's adjusted again. And so you may lose some leaves again, but it's just not losing faith because they grow back quickly. Yeah, and, and you you hit it on the nail a second ago. I mean, we we generally do kill our houseplants with tender love and care. I'm just telling you. Uh, and typically that is overwatering or inadequate drainage. Um, and I've had so many people bring their pot and their houseplant up to the garden center and go, you know, what is going on? And nine times out of ten, it's not insect, it's not mm-hmm. disease. It is overwatering. So, Keep that in mind, you know, when you've got those houseplants, especially those young ones that you're bringing home. Well, um, like I have experience with watering houseplants, but when you, because I have houseplants, but when you have a whole bunch in stock, I've finally reverted to the moisture meter. It's just easier because you don't have to think about yeah. so much because there's so many plants and you're like, did they water this half? Did they water that half? And then the top sometimes looks bone dry, but then when you put the moisture meter in, it's uh, moist. Jim, and, you don't think that's yeah. kind of like cheating, though, with that moisture well, meter? Well, you know, it would help if you kind of grouped yeah. those plants together that would, you know, require the same amount. You know, when we were growing perennials out at Highway 64, um, one of my employees just kind of got fed up with everybody else watering because 
you know, they just go right down the bench. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and you if could one have, pot needs it, they all need it. Right. But you could have, you know, one group of echinaceas that had a lot of growth on it that was really dry and ones you had just potted, same mix, but they aren't dry mm-hmm. yet. And they'd water everything the same. So she went to taking strips of um, marking ribbon and you know, putting it on the on the table there and said, don't water anything between these unless I mm-hmm. tell you to. Right, you right, know? exactly. And, that, and, and it really did save a whole lot of plants. Well, it's like we have the ferns in a tray, so we fill it up with water so they can soak it up. But we have the <clears> cactuses <throat> not in a tray, so we don't ever overwater them. But then when you're doing displays and all... They're all mixed. I got something that likes it dry, bone dry. And when I mean bone dry, yeah. I mean literally not yeah. how to put the moisture meter in and it falls yeah. below it's dry. It's kind of like the fiddly fig you were talking yeah. about. But Jim also said something back in the summer. And I'm living proof that it's not a good thing to do. <laughs> um, you made the comment, Jim, that if you go buy a plant, okay, and you put this plant into a much bigger pot and put that new soil around mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I did it in, on a hanging basket. I actually yeah. bought like a 10-inch hanging basket. And I went home and I repotted it into like a 12 or 14-inch hanging basket. Okay, no big deal. Had good soil the whole bit. And that thing started wilting, I mean, just overnight because Mm -hmm. it was staying too wet. Because I'd introduced this plant into a new container with all this new soil in there that was holding all this moisture. And it was almost impossible for me to keep the moisture Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, right. You know, especially with the house plant. Now, if I had bumped yeah. it up just to a twelve inch, I think I would have been okay. But I actually had went up to a bigger fourteen inch, and it mm-hmm. was it was hard keeping the right amount of water. Yeah, uh, on this house plant, and it's important whenever you're moving one up like that is to if you can take a, a screwdriver and just open up some holes in the the old root ball so the water can flow inside that. All of yeah. your roots are still in that old root ball. That's going right. to suck the moisture out quickly. Right. And that moisture that's over in the side in the new soil is not going to get to the plant. So it's critical that you water correctly when you water and make sure that that's the, the existing root ball gets plenty of moisture. Right. It's, it's hard to tell sometimes, you know. Overwatering and underwatering give you exactly the same results. You yeah. get a wilted plant. And <laughs> People whenever, look at you like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you, you either, it doesn't take in water because the roots have either rotted off or they've dried up so it still dies of dehydration right and you know and obviously the first thing people do when a plant wilts they water it and it Mm -hmm. may not need that it may need air um so it's 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 kind of hard to tell you you know if which one killed it the point is you killed it and let me say this also (laughs) and, and to the defense of a lot of people out there Sometimes you'll get these plants that are just basically potted in nothing but straight peat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just hold so much water. I don't care how much you don't water. It seems like they that soil just stays too wet. Yeah. Um, so a good, high-quality potting soil, uh, especially if you're repotting yourself, uh, is worth its weight in gold, mm-hmm. I'm telling you. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to to put these nice plants in these cheap, cheap potting soils. You know, the, the uh, ZZ plant... Is literally planted now. Okay, y'all might know it's. I feel like it's planted literally planted in uh, peat, but it never gets hard like the peat. It's more. It's really loose, and the ZZ plants in it in a big container, and I can just put my hand in it and sift through it. But that's it's good. not sandy. Well, that's good. It's not dirt. It's not peat moss. <laughs> is it core? Could be some kind that's of core, like a coconut core or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, when you come by, just look. And yeah, see. I'll take a look at it. And see. But we're going to take a break. And while we're taking a break, go ahead and start calling 260-5926 or get, get your coffee mm-hmm. and your tea and your biscuits with butter on them. Get up and get happy and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 260-5926. You can also watch us on Facebook Live. If you're having trouble hearing us, then tune in to kwamradio.com. Absolutely. And we had a texture this morning on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mr. Riley Newman. It said, good morning. Good morning to you, Mr. Riley. I'm looking for recommendations for a lily of the valley plants. Uh, I've tried, but never had success with keeping them alive. Lily of the valley. Loose, moist soil, semi-shade, and a warning label that if it likes where it's at, it's going to be all over the place. So you can go from zero to... A hundred. Yep, real quick. (laughs) And and typically, do you have a preference on whether you're planting the little pips, the little bulbs in the spring, or just hold out and get the plants? Or either way is fine. Either way is fine. Um, You know, you just usually get about a a season ahead if you're buying plants. Mm. Um, And if you buy plants, a lot of times you'll find some of the more unusual ones. There's a pink flowering one. There's one that has, uh, I have one called Albostrata that has white variegated foliage. Of course he does. Oh, I like that. And, and I yeah. keep it contained into where I want it because it does spread. Um, but it's a beautiful bloomer. Though. When they bloom, and they're almost oh, like yeah. a little ground cover, but uh, I've never I've never planted them myself, mm-hmm. yeah. but I just haven't heard a lot of people having problems with them. My mother-in-law had them uh, in, in her front flower bed, and when she passed away, I moved some hostas and things from there to the house that had some sentimental value and got some green ones, and I'm still, you know, occasionally having to round up one or two of them because they... <laughs> round them up. Yeah. So you said the same place that hostas and ferns grow, Jim, but yeah. just high shade, well-drained, loose, high organic soil, correct? Yes, yeah. You know, if you plant them in hard clay, they're not going to spread. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I have a place where I plant... Uh, planted arum lilies yeah, um, yeah because it is hard clay it's been there i don't know probably 15 years or more and it's it's not still not more than 18 inches mm-hmm. wide mm-hmm. you know but you uh-huh. put it in loose forest type soil you know yes. and it would have been you know covered an acre lot by now yeah we had to work in someone's yard that had all that everywhere and she had great organic soil and we were constantly pulling it and taking the red berries off which is the pretty oh, part the about, you're talking about it yeah, yeah. but with the um the where was it lily, the lily of the valley see every time i've ever seen it i've just seen leaves sticking up out of the ground in various spots mm-hmm. i've never ever been able to see it clumped together blooming really pretty i've never seen it bloom so for me i'm always not doing that one but yours jim you they bloom full look good all the time no well no they're (laughs) you know most of the time they're just foliage uh you know it has a relatively short blooming season Mm -hmm. uh but and, it kind of adds to that woodland look. yeah but again if you have much of it you want to try to keep them from blooming otherwise the seed will spread and they spread downhill obviously where the water goes um <laughs> but, so, see, that, but to me that could be a good thing though well I mean, it can yeah. be there are times when that may be what you want yeah, yeah you it's kind of like, like at the botanic gardens you know they, they're 
really trying to make an effort to get things like arum lilies that have spread all through their woods, yeah. you know, that were a good idea when they first put them in yeah. and had no idea that they would explode like they Well, did. it was kind of I like know. when Paul Little had a good idea, and he gave me that northern sea oat I told you about. Yeah, yeah. And I said, man, this is a cute little sea oat. Reminds me of the sea If you're sea listening, oats. Paul, he still hasn't gotten yeah. over there. Yeah, no, down, he down hasn't, in Florida. Mr. Paul. So I put, it in, I put it in this nice planter right there on the back porch where the next thing I know, it's it's everywhere. So even to this day, I'm still thinking, or thanking Paul mm-hmm. every time I walk in the backyard. The seed mm-hmm. heads are so cool. They are unique. beautiful. Yeah, they, they really, really are. are. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. You're going to get All more than one place. if you start with one, yes. I carried some this year, so I'm looking forward to seeing where they come up in the garden center. I had butterfly weed coming up in various areas, too, in the garden center. You and know, then, I, I mean, I would rather have the problem, I think, of thinning plants out. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. then trying to get one to survive yeah you know exactly let's see with the lily of valley you could do like that uh blue flocks not the garden flocks the woodland flocks thank you yeah Yeah, that one Mm -hmm. (laughs) louisiana (laughs) blue is a particularly nice one louisiana blue yeah i love the foliage is nice and lasts good um also you could plant what else would look good to make that woodland environment with the well, I mean, you know, the hostas and the ferns. We mentioned yeah. that. There's a still bee. There's the strawberry begonias. I mean, hardy begonias. You I know, mean, some of the species bulbs, too, mm-hmm. that were out more on the sun line would be pretty. But it's hard doing a native flowering yard. Because you remember Mr. Paul used to uh, go, he went in that direction trying to sell those, but they're always just looking dormant in the pot because they come up at different times. Mm-hmm. And then some yeah. of the sedums, uh, you know, the Chinese sedum in particular that Mr. Paul loves, you know, that's, that's a great looking plant for a you know, kind of a high shade filtered mm-hmm. sun area and as hardy as everything, yeah. you know. There's that one that is a good replacement for Pachysandra. It looks real similar to the small leaf Pachysandra. Pseudomelicumbianum. That was a bad word. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a sedum, Jim, that looks very similar to Pakistan. Beautiful yellow flowers on it, but the foliage from a distance and and height-wise, it gets about the same as Pakistan. So if somebody wants that one... They have it's, to come in and say that word. Yeah, and it, you know, it blooms in midsummer, uh, but it's spectacular. It's one of my favorites. Now, did I hear, and I know we only got like a minute, but did I hear that, you know, the boxwood blight that we were talking about the last couple of weeks, or is Pachysandra it also does. susceptible to yeah. that? Yeah, because so, it actually is related. So it's hard boxwood. enough growing Pachysandra, and now we've got let's, this on top of it. Let's add it, too. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all could join us this morning. And call us 260-5926. Or, like a lot of people really love to do, is text us um, on the Facebook Live. Facebook page and uh, kwmradio.com. And then later on, if you miss the show, you can always go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, I think the podcast is up actually two hours after Mm -hmm. the show. So, 
no reason not to get this great information, when right? When some folks are just getting up, so yeah. it's like they didn't miss anything. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, Jim, have you been looking at catalogs all winter? Well, well I do. You? you know, <laughs> I get a lot of catalogs. You know, cause I used to be a member of uh, the Garden Rogers Association. I dropped out where I retired. But I recently rejoined, so mm. I'm starting to get these over all these catalogs again. You mean like Sears and what are we? <laughs> yeah, Sears pretty much. Robux. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I brought a couple that we'll, we'll talk about here in the next hour or so. But, but it's, it's pretty cool the way, you know, it's kind of like when you get the new seed panels in. Mm-hmm. And people just walk up to it and they start dreaming. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the same way when you're looking at these catalogs. Well, you know, in my garden, I don't have a whole lot of space <laughs> left. So, you know, I go through, I'm, I'm not really interested in vegetables because I don't grow my own vegetables. Kroger does that much better and cheaper yes. than I yes. do. Um, and, uh, but ornamentals, and, and it's not so much that I want one. It, it's when I run up on something I'm not familiar with. And so yeah. I'll store it so that I can go back and read about it later. When it's cold and yucky outside, you know. And then I also like to look at some of the new additions or the new introductions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the year. Yeah. Uh, and to me, that's always a lot of fun. Now, a lot of times the brand new stuff is almost impossible oh, yeah. to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, people years. read about it, hear about it. You or know, you can't get it. Perennial of the year is something that's been around <laughs> for 20 years. Right. You know? <laughs> They're just looking for something to. But that works, though. It and, does. All they do is put a little advertising behind it and drive it, and people go, oh, I want that, you know, so. Uh, and you're like, it's been in the garden center for 20 years. Yeah. Now you want it? Well, yeah. it's because it was advertised. And what was the perennial of the year? Was it wasn't it some kind of grass, like a blue stem yeah, grass was, or yeah, something? The, uh, so little, we'll, little blue stem, yeah. So we'll have to mm-hmm. see how that little goes blue, over. You know, I've seen little blue stem growing in other people's yard, and it populates, too. So that's gonna, that was that, the perennial yeah. of the yeah. year. Yeah. Well, I no, don't I'm know not, why I'm not that. Impressed me with it. either. So yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe somebody was. Right. Is my point. Yeah, maybe it's in different <laughs> it's areas because they're running out of stuff that looks good. Yeah, <laughs> it does have. It almost <laughs> looks like a real. Yeah, really, a little. It almost looks like a little uh, iris. Tiny, tiny foliage, well, it, and it grows it, straight up. And and I know we got Jamie, but you know, I tell you what's pretty cool though. We're you know we're talking about seed, looking at seed panels and seed catalogs and perennials, but it's also pretty cool what they do to the old existing either perennial or shrub and make them, in my opinion, much better. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I'm just thinking about just for example, like. Linton Rose. Remember how they used to be just a old, yeah. typical Linton Rose, yeah. Hellebores. And it would be a mix. You wouldn't know what color Jim, it is. Jim, you were so yeah. right about Unless that. Unless it was in bloom. Yeah, and now there's just so many new mm-hmm. hybrids out there that are wonderful. Look at look at hydrangeas. Gosh, what's they going just on? Blow my mind. I mean, look at distilliums. <laughs> look at I mean, so almost much. look at Mahonia hollies. I mean, yeah. there's so many things out there. That they're so they come out with these new additions, and I promise you, in my mm-hmm. opinion, they are better yeah. than what they started with. Like all the new, the two new spireas, the candy corn, and then the double play. Oh. Their fall color is phenomenal. Yep. I am, and some they still have it on right now. So all the new introductions. Yeah, I like spirea. It's one of the few plants that, although it's, we call it deciduous, it's loses its foliage at Christmas, and by the end of January, it's putting on foliage. Right. Gosh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I did not think about it, because we have foliage on ours. Mm-hmm. So. Gosh, it's pretty. And it's uh, the art, the reddish. It's it's a little more reddish. So it goes that magic carp is pretty awesome. And then the Yuletide. Oh, that's a good one. Um, oh, we've got time. Let's go to Jamie. Good morning, Jamie. 
Good morning. Hey, Jamie. Good morning to you, buddy. Look, I just wanted to call early to get this in. Dr. Uh, Mr. Todd and Dr. Cooper and the entire mm-hmm. uh, Memphis Bay Master Gardeners want to wish y'all a very, very Merry Christmas, and thank you for all your help during the past year. Well, then, can I say this real quick also? I've already had the best Christmas ever because I was eating that whole cake that your wife brought up here last Man, weekend, that cranberry so and walnuts. I'm, awesome. just, I'm just telling you now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's <laughs> unfortunately mine didn't see another sunrise. Yeah. Right, same. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to thank you also, Jamie and Jan. Well, that 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 cake didn't have very good shelf life at all. Ah, oh, well, we fixed that, <laughs> didn't yeah, we? Wasn't an issue. Oh, shelf life because we eat it, not because yeah. it gets old fast. You know, since we're um, now, I'm already thinking about tomatoes, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. After last year and all those samples that I ate, some, I think we had like 100 entries into the Great Tomato Contest. And I was thinking, Jamie, I was hoping that, man, I hope I don't lose my taste for tomatoes. Oh, you know, too right. much of a good thing can be a bad thing, yeah. right? I haven't. I still no love good. them. I, I doubt you will. No, right? I didn't. I promise you. Are you working on, are y'all working on that for this year? Oh, yes. We, we're we dead in the middle of it. So, <laughs> so and, I figured. Uh, it would be June the 16th. Uh, July, yeah, June the 16th. July the 16th. But anyway, we're, okay. we're looking forward to it. So, But anyway, thank you all so much for all your help. Thank you all for your help. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. The whole Master Garner program for what you guys do. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Jamie. Merry Christmas to you, bud. But I'm telling you, right. that cake that his wife made, y'all. Yeah. Man, it was so good. And uh, Jan, do not get up and come up here. Unless you're, you're such, bringing some more of those right, cakes. Right, right. We're just, you're so sweet. But, um, yes, just, but I tell you and what. And I know they grew the cranberries. <laughs> but the, the Memphis Area Master Gardener Program uh, is a wonderful program to get into. It truly is. And what I've always said is what I really love about it is the volunteer service uh, after you go through the classes and pass the test. You know, you've got to put in your volunteer hours. And to me, that is so important. And it's not like, you know, you've got to do it. I mean, people are willing and wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's always a, a, a great well, thing. Well, it's so good that there's always a line. You probably need to um, sign up now for next, well, not 2022, 2023. but 2023. Mm-hmm. You probably want to sign up. But the Master Gardening, Horticulture Society, Botanic Gardens, all those places are great places to go to. Actually, like the Botanic Garden, you get to see what plants look like in their real size. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we've got these cute little thread leaf, um, uh, Chamaciparis. Mm-hmm. I like that Say plant. that, Jim. Chamaciparis. 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 I've always said Chaparis. Chamaciparis. Um, but anyway, it's a thread leaf and it's so cute. On the, you know, you think, oh, I can border with this. Then I saw it in someone's yard. I watched it grow. Uh, I think we're on 20 years now. And it's 10 feet tall yeah. and 6 feet wide. Yeah, there's but when a huge you, one at the front entrance of the Botanic Gardens. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah. you know, I've seen those planted in a row in front of a house. So, oh, yeah. wow, is that going to be a barrier? But you don't know. Well, and let me ask you a question because we get yeah. this question all the time. Is if you were trying to block a neighbor or you were trying to put a buffer up for sound, for say, mm-hmm. uh, and typically, you know, a lot of people lean to, to hollies. You know, right. because they're just so versatile and they're so hardy and, and they're easy to growing, grow and quick yeah. growing. What, do y'all have a particular holly that y'all like more than the other? I mean, because there's, you know, Nellie R. Stevens and there's yeah. Oakleaf mm-hmm. and Oakland and Patricia's and on down Burford's, mm-hmm. on down the line. 
Uh, but it kind of depends on one how much space you've got, mm-hmm. whether or not you want it tree form or you want it full to the ground. Right. How much height you can allow? I mean, are there lines up right. there? There. I mean, there's pretty much a holly to fit. Yeah. Any of those descriptions. I mean, if if space is not an option, mm-hmm. not a problem, then I think. East Palatka is one of them. Mm-hmm. Or the old Savannah holly, maybe. Well, Savannah's more upright. Yeah. You know, I like East Palatka because it's a soft leaf. It's, you know, you don't have to worry about your I kids. I don't see those that often Don't anymore. see them very yeah. often, but it, it's, a, it's a great holly. And berries heavy. Um, cedar waxwings just love to come in and feed on them. Um, you know, if, if 14 or 15 feet is all you want, mm-hmm. then, you know, Nellie R. Stevens right. is tough to beat. Yeah. Dark green, you know, and heavy berries. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's growing once it's established. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want something that's more Kenneth-like <laughs> shaped, <laughs> then, then uh, you know, Oakland, oak leaf, yeah. those mm-hmm. are great kind of pyramidal that are going to max out maybe 15 feet mm-hmm. but they're not going to be full at the top they're going to be the fullest at the bottom that's right right so you know you kind of just have to envision what you want how much space you've got you know that's where it really helps if you're going to a garden center to get some ideas is take some pictures yeah. you know and and another important thing to know is which way it's facing is it going to be shaded right you know so uh but there's the but i have seen people also plant these different types of hollies and just turn it into a green wall. They'll they'll oh, trim yeah. it, shear it, mm-hmm. top it, and it just yeah. turns into a green wall. Which you know, it's I mean, not bad yeah, either. no, either way, you're fine. Yeah, it's just you just have to maintain it a lot more. But you know, it's worth maintaining if you like that look. Um, I do like foster hollies because of their berries are mm. really cool to use in Christmas arrangements. So that would be a choice I would make because of that. Yeah. And I've got and to the, say this. The and color I, is so good on them. You yeah, know, it's a dark that's green. It. Yeah. And I need to take a picture of this because y'all aren't going to believe me. I've got a friend that's got a foster holly on either side of his house, on one, one corner and another one on the other corner, right? And he has trimmed this thing to look like Leland Cypress. It is completely round and flat on the top. I mean, it looks like a, I mean, it looks like a Leland Cypress. I'm telling you, not not Leland Cypress, Italian Cypress. Okay, good. <laughs> we were like, wow. I mean, y'all, it, it looks nothing like a Foster Holly, the way it's pruned. So he's I mean, probably started early. Yeah, and now it looks great, yeah, but it like surely it. doesn't look like a Foster Holly, you know. Pruning can definitely change the That's look. That's my point. <laughs> good or bad. Okay, let's. Um, we're going to take your gardening questions after the break. Give us a call here, 901-260-5926. This is Miss South Garden. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Thanks for all the wonderful texts and calls we've been getting today. And we're going to go with David from Bahelia. Good morning, David. Good morning. Appreciate you taking my call. Appreciate the call, Dave. Yeah, I have a quick question. When we moved into our home in 2000, we had a nursery come out and they planted two holly trees close to our house. Mm. The trees are about six feet away from our house and the trunks are probably four, four and a half inches in diameter now. They stand over 15 feet tall. My question is, 
with those trunks being about six feet away from the house, the slab, is that too close to the foundation? Do we need to cut them down and put something else there? No. No, okay. they're, they're not hurting your foundation at all. In, in our particular type soil here, the roots don't go very deep. In, mm-hmm. the, in this clay, they run along the surface. They would hit your slab and just run alongside of it. Bounce right off. Yeah, so it's not going to affect your footing or anything, so okay. you're good. Yeah, we well, get good. that. I had, heard, I had heard that you're not supposed to plant them uh, more than any closer than eight feet from the foundation. Well, I guess I've always heard six, you yeah. know, but if it's, it all depends on the plant. Yeah, as it depends well. on the type, but yeah. you know, if it's only if it's only fifteen feet tall by this time in in twenty years, it's uh, it's not going to affect your foundation at all. Okay, but well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thank yeah, you. good news. He's thinking. <laughs> oh my goodness! I would not dig- want to have to dig those no. out. No. <laughs> oh my goodness! That is a big. But, I mean, it's a legitimate (laughs) question because so many people are concerned about, uh, you know, how extensive is this root system going to be or how extensive is it now? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it affecting my concrete slab, the foundation, you know, whatever? Uh, And like you said, Jim, the short answer is absolutely not. Or something like that because our clay soil, like you just said, the root systems are very shallow. And they'll hit that uh, concrete slab and just bounce right off of mm-hmm. them, you know. Well, you know, we uh, laugh about, I've actually, how close we plant crepe myrtles to the house. And I've actually measured, you know, some have been 12 inches from the house. But I saw one from a distance one time, and it was like we were talking about, if you plant it that close to the house, just keep limbing it up until it gets over the, the house. And it was really actually real pretty. But it was only 12 feet. 12 inches from the corner of the house but it worked and so the roots weren't bothering the foundation on that no in fact in my old house um this is 20 years ago there was a crepe myrtle uh that i planted on the corner of the house you know it was out a little bit i mean it was only out about three feet Mm -hmm. but it was still in my opinion very close to the house and i did exactly what you said i just limbed it up but you know we still don't recommend you know, well, first of all, I planted the wrong crepe myrtle in the right spot, right? Yeah. I planted a crepe myrtle that wanted to get 30 foot tall, and here I am trying to keep this thing 8 foot tall. You know, yeah. and it's just, there. I should have just planted a different type of crepe myrtle to start with. Yeah, the main thing you want to work, con- be concerned about concrete here is walkways, shallow, thin pieces of concrete, driveways, where roots will go under. And as the, because they're right at the surface, they're there for air and, and mm-hmm. to get out of the water. <clears throat> As they enlarge on the surface, they can lift that concrete. So that can become an issue. So you want to try to keep away from things like that. Uh, otherwise, you're going to end up having to do some leveling or replace the driveway and that sort of thing yeah. in time. Yeah. I saw a cherry tree grow right up against the, a house. It didn't go under. It just kept getting a bigger mm-hmm. uh, knot, so to speak, because all it could do was hit the house. And that was really bizarre looking. Well, but we, you know, we always hear about, you know, you don't want to plant an oak tree, you know, two feet from the foundation of your home. Uh, you know, that's just unpractical to Maple think that. tree. Yeah, but I mean, but like Jim was saying, most of these, you know, these ornamental type shrubs or ornamental type trees, they're not going to hurt the foundation or the slab of your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, like he just said, whether it's a driveway or a walkway or, or you know, a brick patio or a porch, yes, it can. Mm-hmm. But typically the foundation and the slab, not a problem. I know. How about walking <clears throat> down old in old towns? 
where they planted trees. Oh, yeah. And then they get huge, and the sidewalks just buckled. But and the uh, tree flows over the concrete. Yeah. You know? oh, I love the look of that. Oh, <clears throat> man. Y'all have got to look that up or see that. It's just You probably can describe it better well, than I, I mean, can. I think I lost my, my headphones are going out. Oh, in and out. New Christmas present. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, there we um, go. yeah. Um, yeah, we used to, and, and we still do it. If you look, they plant elm trees in in medians that are like three feet wide. You know, they're going to be okay for a couple of years, but eventually they're going to outgrow that. Uh, and when it, it does, it, the tree either grows under it and lifts it, or it can flow out on top of it. I saw a picture the other day where um, a railing, the tree had actually grown out and grown around the railing. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, and it looked like a mouth had got it. In yeah. fact, they put two eyes above it, so <laughs> it looked like it was eating the rail. So, you know, <clears throat> life will find a way. It does. And, and then it's like, it's just so hard to explain on the ground how the tree actually grows flat. Mm-hmm. But it still grows upright, mm-hmm. but down by the roots, it grows flat over the grate or... Um, or the piece of concrete yeah, or sidewalk yeah. or whatever it is, well, right? Well, you know, going out in the country <coughs> and you see the trees that grew around the fences. Yeah, they um, put up the fence and yeah. they tacked it to the trunk of the tree and it's grown completely, you know, <laughs> through the fence. And then sometimes we can't make... It's hard to make a tree live when you plant it in the, uh, a young tree when we're planting but then after they're going good, they'll just grow over everything. Isn't that amazing? It is. People's garden art, I've seen that taken over by trees. I've seen Christmas lights taken over by trees. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about that. Uh, we're going to answer your gardening questions after the break. Call 260-5926. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We'd love to hear your gardening questions today or just gardening comments are mm-hmm. worth it too. 260-5926. I'm Beta with Palladio. And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder. This is, there you go. He Jim said it. Jim Crowder. Yay. Every and, hour he's someone different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what'd you say? 260-5926. And of course, Mighty 990 uh, Facebook page. You can shoot us a text right there. And then kwamradio.com. And then if you ever miss the show, go listen to the podcast, kwamradio.com. And it's up about two hours after we leave here. And then Jim's Facebook page. Mid-South Gardening, you would say something. Sorry. I just <laughs> stuck a piece of candy in my mouth. Did I do that on purpose or not? Probably. <laughs> um, yes, Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. We invite you to join. There are some questions you have to answer to join because we want you to know the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't answer them, you, you probably won't get in. You know? And you, hey, guys. If you're not going to obey the rules. Don't play. It's a, you hear right. Isn't that just the yeah. way it works? He's just yeah. such a grouchy old teacher. You yeah, know? Yeah, I had somebody yeah. get mad at me. He, I'll bet just you this week, they, 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 they were looking for something. And one of our rules is this is not a shopping app, you know, to make your life easier. You know, go look for your own stuff. 
And, um, well, because in that he way, called you're... me a pompous something or other. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it <laughs> happens. So but, he, he got deleted, too. But that's know. like... That's all right. You're trying not to do any advertising or right. any, right. you know, thing like that. I mean, because otherwise... Jim it, would would be an adver- it would be an ad- say, advertising platform is what it would turn yeah, into. Yeah, because otherwise Jim could just say only two garden centers. And Jim, that's you know? Mid-South Gardening uh, on the mm-hmm. Facebook Mid-South page. Gardening. And it's uh, great. we got about 7,000 plus members now. Mm. And, uh, and, and like I say, there are some rules. You know, we don't allow links uh, because we – What's anybody can Google yeah. You know, yeah, right. That's if you're true. Googling to get information for somebody else, then that tells me that you probably don't know enough about that particular plant to uh, to to give them information. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we're after. We're this particular group. There are lots of groups that function that way. And, so, you know, I encourage you to join them. But our particular group is we're looking for people who actually have done it, who are actual gardeners and who can give good information Um and mm. so it's uh, it's just a little bit different. Yeah. But there's absolutely no drama. Nobody nobody is saying you can't do it that way. You know, you That's have right. to be organic or, you, or, or you know, you can't use pesticides. Yeah. There's no arguing or anything like that. Yeah. So. I noticed well, that. And speaking of that, you know, we made this comment last weekend, Veda Jim, about the yellow leaves on azaleas. Mm-hmm. Well, I still have people, which is great, don't get me wrong. But people are concerned. Still have people coming into the garden center with limblets or limbs cut from their azalea. Like, what is going on with my azaleas? Um, and if you're seeing a lot of yellow leaves, like we said last weekend, on your azaleas. Uh, but if you look at the very tip of the limbs, if that little cluster of leaves are still good and green, right where the bud is forming, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, can you go out there and sprinkle some milorganite down, some holytone down? You can, but anything that you do now, you're still not going to see any difference at all until next spring when this new growth starts to flush out. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of this yellow foliage just drop off, but you're going to see good green growth next spring. Now, if you don't see good green growth next spring, then yeah, Mm -hmm. we need to talk, you know, about these azaleas. But just because you're seeing a lot of yellow leaves on these azaleas, this time of year, this year, not a problem. Man, you know what azaleas are gorgeous now are the encores. They're they're just blooming like crazy in mm-hmm. the garden center right now. Just big blooms and all, but you they're know, also blooming out in the landscape. And when they first came out, I've, I've said this before, I was a little hesitant Same, about yeah. liking encore azaleas uh-huh. because how dare they come right. out with an azalea that blooms more than one Agreed, time. yeah. It doesn't you know, look like an azalea. Yeah, it does I'm, I'm that. really kind of warmed up to uh-huh. those things. Especially now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and they can take more sun mm-hmm. than your traditional azaleas. They definitely bloom. They have um, different sizes as well, mm-hmm. different heights, different. Their colors are real vibrant. Bigger blooms, well, not bigger really. Well, some are most, uh, most of them yeah. are large blooms. There are a few mm-hmm. smaller. But I, I really, I'm, I'm really liking these encore yeah. azaleas now. I'm They're, telling you. Is a little bit, the more they're established, too, the boy, you get covered yeah. with blooms. It, it takes usually two or three years to get, well, I call it cycled, mm-hmm. to get them to understand where they're at in the light situation. That's they right. have the length of the days and the nights. Oh, I talked to mine. I, I helped them understand why they're I told they're you there. she did That's that, Jim. That's good. Now, what do, do y'all, what do y'all think about putting encores <laughs> in? You can't see my eyes roll it. here. No, so you couldn't even finish that <laughs> sentence. What do y'all think about putting encores in, in full sun, though? I, I mean, I've seen I, it. There are, mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll, they'll actually do okay. Uh, some varieties are much more prone to lace bug, mm-hmm. which sun tends to amplify. Um, 
But no, you can grow them in full sun. But wouldn't yeah. y'all prefer, though, not to put them in full blazing mm-hmm. afternoon sun? You'll have probably the best looking foliage if right. you don't. Um, right. You know, and some exactly. of them turn, there are half a dozen varieties, particularly the reds, that the foliage takes on a bronze color during <clears> the wintertime. And they're, they're just like the yellows. They'll lose a lot of that internal foliage. That's but right. it, it doesn't turn yellow. It turns bronze or brown and mm-hmm. falls off. So it's n- not always noticeable. Yeah. In fact, I started to take <clears> a picture this week. I've got some uh, conversation piece that are beginning to do like the whites did you Mm -hmm. know about two weeks ago they're starting to shed that and it's all brown Mm -hmm. foliage and if you pay attention you go oh yeah that's doing exactly what the other one did Mm -hmm. you know it's just different color foliage um that conversation piece is definitely a conversation it really is it's an outstanding one you know and you never know what bloom you're going to get on that thing that's right it'll have two or three different variations um and in fact, it's it's kind of developed now. We're on one side of my garden, uh, one side of my front walk. They're almost all solid, uh, peachy color. Mm. And then wow. on the other side, I've got almost all variegated with the stripes. Wow! So, so does that show that on this side, that color likes that environment better? And then on, because is it sun on one side and shade on the it's, other? It's, it's there's more sun on one side than the mm-hmm. other. They're basically still in the shade, but one mm-hmm. side gets uh, some, some uh, particularly this time of year, midday sun. Um, that's so bizarre. Yeah, it is kind of weird. And then, and then but that's your yard. Yeah, and then there's one where they stuck a, a different cutting in the same one. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's a white plant that comes out of there also. And, and Jan, hang on just a second. But the reason I was bringing up the amount of sun, I've seen encore azaleas planted in containers around a pool Mm -hmm. typically where you'll see tropicals and these plants they just love full blazing sun and i have to say that they didn't look bad now they looked a little washed out Mm -hmm. jim it could have been a little lace bug like you're Mm -hmm. talking about on them because they are more susceptible to lace bug all azaleas will be if they're getting full sun but hey it wasn't a bad look is my point and being in containers maybe if they bumped up the water and fertilizer a little bit more it wouldn't get the um, issues of the lace bug I've saw I've seen encore azaleas planted like in the middle of a hot parking lot, full mm-hmm. sun. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's too intense for them. Obviously, because they were all white <laughs> from the lace bug and all. But maybe that's too intense, full sun. But well, that's closer a, to a that's per- a pretty harsh environment yeah. for anything. And I've seen across the street from Dan West at one point they had crepe myrtles. Uh, but they also had uh, gumpo azaleas in there. And we know gumpos can take a lot of sun also. But these things were so neglected. I mean, they never got water, never everything. And they hung in there. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they looked their yeah. best. They're you know? surviving, not right. living. Right. Yeah. So that means you have to water and fertilize mm-hmm. more. We've got a caller, Jan, but we're going to take her after the break. Yeah, we'll go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jan's calling from Memphis. She's got Japanese maple questions. So uh, we, what, Claire? <laughs> Claire's like, hang on just a minute. No, stop, go. No. Um, but, but Jan, so just hang on a second. But there again, I mean, don't let the yellow leaves on the azaleas uh, scare you to death if you're seeing it this time of year. Uh, now, next year, I would pay attention because a lot of that's weather-related, and mm-hmm. some of it can be a little stress-involved also. So pay attention to the watering aspect next year. Definitely feed your azaleas. A lot of people go through life and never feed their azaleas for mm-hmm. some reason. Typically, if you're using the azalea food or an azalea food, you uh, feed them once a month for three months after they bloom. 
if you're using plantone, holytone, melorganite, any of those, I don't care if you go out there in January, you can feed them now if you want to. But that, that fertilizer will help flush out a lot of new green growth. Right. That makes exactly. sense. Yeah. Makes total sense. Because, like you said, they do not uh, fertilize. And then they take all, blow all the leaves out and leave the ground really flat and then put a lot of mulch on it, <laughs> waiting for the mulch to break down. And then it ends up like six inches of mulch. Hey, Jim, what do, you, what do you call that broken down mulch? Mulch dust. Yeah, mulch, mulch dust. dust. Yeah. You know? It didn't, it, well, you know, it would eventually be soil, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's, there's so much of it yeah. that right. it's not breaking down quickly enough. And yeah. the more deeper it gets, the less air gets to it, so the slower it happens. It's just, uh, it's, you know, when you feel that urge to, to mulch again, get everything out, right? Yeah. Get everything back down to soil. So right. you're saying... And then save that. Mm-hmm. You know, put, put it in your the, compost yeah. pile, mix it, use it to plant with, but yeah, you don't want to... You don't want to plant directly in that. That's absolutely true. We've had to go in and rake all the excess mulch out, and it was wheelbarrows load, yeah. wheelbarrows load, and then remulch. But at least we'd gotten it the proper level, and we yeah. didn't scrape it down to hard pan either. Yeah. You know, we still left some good compost, but then, like Jim said, don't throw it away. We took it and used it, mixed it in with other yeah. uh, soils, and used it that way. So check your mulch, how deep it is. That definitely causes some problems. Uh, yep. All right. So we got Jan. <laughs> we'll get you after the break. We're answering your garden questions. And give us a call, 260-5926. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. And I just have to ask, another one of those things that we say like you said you know when somebody has a question out of the blue where did that come from out of the blue out of the blue i know that we've got jan and we have tony let's go to jan good morning jan good morning to all of you good morning mr jan thanks for holding on you're welcome i'm actually i'm I'm on the way to the emergency room with my Japanese maple, and I don't think it's going to make it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Man, what is going on with the maple? Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, now, I had a question. Uh, I have two, and one is beginning to look a little bit puny, and I'm, I'm wondering, is there anything to do for Japanese maple, maple or do, uh, do they somewhat become dormant? as you go into the winter or I, I don't have a lot of experience mm-hmm. with Japanese maple. Right. They're so definitely the, losing their leaves yeah. now. Yes, yeah. they do go dormant. The do's and don'ts of Japanese maples. Well, the, a couple of things. Are, are they established trees? Or are they new? or uh, They are less than a year old. Okay, so they're young trees. Well, one mm-hmm. of the most important things is kind of protect them from morning sun, the trunk. Until they get on up and that trunk gets sort of bark-like instead of papery, mm-hmm. they're subject to something called sun scald. That's where we get a really cold winter morning. The sun comes up, hits one side of it, and it causes it to expand. And then the other side is still frozen. Mm-hmm. And you get a little hairline crack in there. And it'll come back out. It'll leaf out, look just fine. And then towards the summer, it begins to lose some limbs out of it and, and starts to go backwards. And that's something that could have happened even last year in our February freeze 
we saw I'm still seeing some damage from some of that. So look right at the base of the plant. Usually it's on the east side, but it may not be. Uh, and see if you see anything that looks like damage that's healing over. Mm-hmm. Um, like a split or a lesion, right. Jim. And and the main thing is usually when we plant those, I like to plant something kind of next to it, a clump of monkey grass or something like that to shade that tiny little trunk um, until it gets established. Now, if it's corked up, not so much concerned about it. And then what about the drainage? They hate wet feet. Can't, can't stand wet feet and, you know, some of my maples dropped all of their leaves real quick. I've got some that are still hanging on, so you can't really go by that. Now, a lot of winters here will get a freeze prior to the leaf falling off, and it interrupts that abscission layer, so the tree will hang on to the leaves through the winter. Nothing to worry about. It'll mm-hmm. push them off next spring. And then what about excessive mulch? I mean, they don't, don't like yeah. to have their feet covered right. with really excessive thickly. mulch either. And, and that's pretty much true with anything. Two yeah. inches, of course, mulch is about max that you want. But any arborist in town would tell you, get that mulch off of there. But like Jim said, if it's just, you know, one or two inches, it's all you need. So good drainage. They hate wet feet. They don't like excessive mulch. And you're saying, Jim, they really don't like to have that morning Sun beating down on the tender trunk on of the a young Japanese one maple. like that. Dogwoods are the same way. You know, a lot of plants that we, a lot of trees that we grow, still have papery bark until they get up to five or six years old or more. So if we can protect that with by planting something right next to it, a clump of monkey grass or even a small shrub that we know we're going to cut out later. Um, it, it helps protect that trunk from that. And Jan, one more thing, let me say this, buddy. If you do have that Japanese maple, and it's just you know one looking the way it should, even when it went into dormancy, uh, about the only thing you can really do this time of year is get a good root stimulator, um, whether it's the kangaroo roots from Fox Farm or you know like Fertilone root stimulator or Super Thrive. Make a solution of any of those products and saturate that whole root zone. And I'd do it once a week for about three weeks now and then come back in early March and do it again. And hopefully what you'll see is a good heavy flush of growth next spring. Right. So, uh, Millorganite, y- y'all always say is good for everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be okay as well. Absolutely. Yep. Good product. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you all for all the information that you all uh, share with us throughout the year. Uh Wish you a happy new year. Yes, thank you thank very you, much. Jan, Jan thank so you, buddy. Much. Back at you, brother. Y'all come back and see us. Yeah. So um, also, you know, of course, the way you plant it as well makes a difference. Like, did you just dig a hole big enough for it to slide down into? So not good. Yeah. Um, hopefully your hole's like lo- much larger yeah. and you've mixed a little bit of compost in with the soil that you've taken out. Yeah. Don't plant it too deep. Make sure you get all the air pockets out, too, yeah. because you're... Uh, <clears throat> That's like when you're putting the soil in there. I've seen people put soil in their plants and then come back later and uh, the soil is recessed. It's down deeper and it's because they didn't get the air pockets out. Yeah, and and Tony, hang on. We're going to get you after we go to this break. But you're right. Veda, planting is is key. I mean, that's the first thing that we're doing. A lot of times that's the first thing that we're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, dig that hole just as deep as the root ball, twice as wide. You make sure you amend that soil. But you're not replacing that clay. You're amending your clay. Yeah. And then, like you always say, Veda, always plant in gym, always plant uh, above grade, especially when it comes to things that hate wet feet. Have a few inches of that root ball actually sticking up out of the ground and berm up to it. And then I'm telling you, I see it all the time. We talked about the mulch a while ago. A lot of times I see excessive mulch around these uh, Japanese maples, and they just don't like it. No, they don't. And.
and um, yep, and compost on top as well, and then light layer of mulch, like you said. And you know, I've heard, and I'm wondering, like, I've heard that some people don't recommend planting Japanese maples over or under zone six, even though they can go all the way to eight. Is that? Do you think that's because of our up and down winters? It's because of our transition that we talked about. Our soil thri- freezes and thaws, and that's mm-hmm. what gives us such an issue with sunscald. If it just stayed yeah. cold here, they'd be fine. Uh, so yeah. yeah, you know, when people ask me, you know, where should they plant Japanese maple, I usually tell them about Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jim, for all that wonderful information as well. And we'll take your gardening questions two six zero five nine two six. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. We are answering your gardening questions, 260-5926, or you can put it on our Facebook page and we'll answer you like that. And Tony, thanks for holding on. You're in the garden. Good morning. Hey, uh, hey. I have, I have some green mountain boxwood, and they're on the east side of my house, and they get quite a bit of shade, and they're starting to turn brown at the top. When were they pruned? Like when Never. did? And, okay. And how long have they been in the ground, Tony? We've lived there six years, and they've been there the whole time. I don't know when they were planted. Just brown at the top, straight across. You know, usually when we start seeing brown leaves on boxwoods, um, you know, nine times out of ten, it's not an insect problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can get leaf miner and all that. We know that, but that's usually not what it is. Typically, it's not a fungal problem. See, I uh, see it a lot of times when people shear at well, the Well, but it's time. two things, though. One is we do see a lot of bronzing this time of year mm-hmm. uh, on boxwoods, where it's kind of a brownish, bronzy look, which is a natural occurrence that we see on a lot of boxwoods. But if it's actually dead tissue, typically that's more root-related than anything. Nine times out of ten, it is root-related, meaning it stayed too dry at one time during the growing season this past season. Or stayed just entirely too wet, and you had some root damage done. But make sure, though, it's not just bronzing of mm-hmm. the boxwood. Now, let's say if it's not bronzing, uh, Tony, and it is actually dead tissue uh, that you're seeing on these green mountains. There again, like we were telling Jan a while ago with the uh, Japanese maple, this time of year, about all you can do is get the root stimulator out, saturate the roots once a week for three weeks now, come back in early March and do it again. You can definitely put some lime and milorganite down just for just general basic uh, fertilizer and keeping that pH up. Make sure that the leaves have not constantly been blown under the shrubs and built up in the crown because that can cause a lot of stress as well. And and then also assess, a lot of times we'll see this under irrigation where, you know, they think that the boxwoods, Tony, are getting the correct amount of moisture. Sometimes they're not getting enough moisture, and sometimes they're getting just way too much. And then excessive mulch, kind of like the same thing that we're talking about with the Japanese maple. But if it is dead tissue, uh, you can take a picture and, of course, bring it by the garden centers. We can take a look at it. You can bring samples in. But nine times out of ten, it's root-related if it is a uh, if it is dead tissue. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think it's being too dry. It's probably, It may be 
too wet. And they yeah. hate wet feet right. also. I know we say that a lot, Tony, but boxwoods, green mountains in particular, they won't tolerate wet feet. And I'm going to tell you this also. We had a lot of rain back last spring. It started raining in December, and it really didn't stop until March. And it was cool. It was a cool, cold rain for three months. And we saw a lot of damage out there uh, on the root systems of plants uh, when it started getting hot in the summertime. So I still think you'll be okay if it's it's still just at the top. You might get your gloves and kind of just rake those leaves off. Uh, Light mulch, not a heavy layer of mulch. Use the root stimulator. And make sure next summer, when it's hot and dry, that these things stay moist, not wet. Yeah, I got one more thing, and probably Jim does. Um, also, the Horticulture or the Boxwood Society had recommended if you're trying to, if they're if they're not, if they're holding water too long, is to put some holes in the soil around the root ball, and then fill those holes with the product called Enlighten or Permatil, mm-hmm. and that helps the soil expand somewhat and that will take or allow more air to the root system if it's like an overwatering problem okay all right thank you thanks Thanks tony good luck buddy and you know boxwoods they're usually not the cheapest things on the market you know you're usually spending a good bit of money uh you know to get these beautiful boxwoods in your landscape and it's just a shame when you start seeing these things you know turn Mm -hmm. south on you what do you think jim I think it's uh, a natural discoloration just from this season. <clears throat> we didn't have a whole lot of uh, cool temperatures. We've had um, a lot of excessively warm temperatures, and I just don't think the tissue has hardened off as quickly as it should have, and that you're just getting a little winter bronze. And we're seeing a lot of that yeah. on yeah. box bones. Oh, I had the, the bizarre situation. I had the winter greens uh, that are cone-shaped sitting on a top shelf facing northeast, basically. Mm-hmm. And I noticed they bronzed on the front, like that first time, cool spot, cool time we had. And they're looking as bronzed as can be. And then I thought, oh, mm-hmm. you know, people don't really understand they're supposed to be bronze, and they're walking right past the garden center, and they're looking up into the plants. Mm-hmm. So I'd better <clears throat> take these down, put something up, you know, more appealing. The backsides were green. Green is everything. Green is convenient. Well, and another thing, you know, we are, you know, we're selling some of those new gen boxwoods. The, the what freedom, kind? The, the new gen. Next mm-hmm. gen. Our next okay. gen, the next yeah. generation. Uh, yeah. uh, they're supposed to be a little more resistant to that boxwood blight if we do get it around here. But I also noticed those, they were in a southern exposure, and the tops of all of those were starting to bronze. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's just what's going on with Tony. You know, it's not yeah. really dead tissue up there, but just bronzing tissue. I like mm. the, um, I like Durank. I like the uh, green velvet. I love the green velvet. And the green mountain. And you know, if you want one more that's more conical, yeah. you know. Green mountain is good, too. It's fairly resistant to boxwood blight mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a good choice but you know i don't know of a bad looking boxwood to be honest with you well you know it's when i uh lived in texas that's where i learned a, a lot of uh gardening stuff but i only boxwood that would grow there is the wintergreen boxwood mm-hmm. so i didn't like it's tough as everything i mean i still love right. wintergreen though but when i moved back to memphis and saw all the different varieties it's like oh i like boxwoods well but i just didn't like that one and to me growing up you know usually what i was around was the old american boxwood the old-fashioned grows in the shade gets six foot wide six foot tall very slow growing very expensive 
you know, American boxwoods. Some people call them English boxwood, but they're really American boxwoods. But there are so many hybrid boxwoods out there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of these can take all the sun you want to give them. But the given on all of them, though, is still, and we say this all the time, you better have good drainage. You know? Man. I saw someone plant some boxwoods in a situation <laughs> where they were pushing the soil in with their mm. fists, trying to push all that clay soil down around them. So I've watched them for I watched them for a couple of years, and they never did it. You know, you never saw the repercussions of being planted in tight soil. But I haven't seen them since. So a lot of times. When you do something wrong in the planting situation, you can go about three years before you see an issue. Maybe. So, like, if a lot of times if you're a new gardener and you go, oh, I've never had trouble with that, but you've only had it for three years. As time progresses, and, it can go downhill. And, and case to point, what you're just saying, and Jim, I've seen this, and I don't know why anybody would do it unless they're just a naturalist. Y'all, they had kind of a circular driveway, Okay. And half, half, halfway around this circular driveway, they actually had true dwarf English boxwoods. Ooh. Probably one of the hardest plants you can grow around here, yeah. okay? And I promise you, every other one, if not every third one, mm-hmm. was dead as a hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went over there. This is years ago, and he asked me to come over and take a look. And I said, he said, well, what's the problem? I said, well, the problem is you got the wrong boxwoods in the ground. <laughs> you know, we're starting <laughs> right line. there. Yep. yeah. Yeah, even before boxwood blight, which they 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 get really bad. They get something here called boxwood decline, mm-hmm. and uh, they're virtually impossible to grow here unless you've got them in uh, an elevated planter mm-hmm. almost, so that they get perfect drainage. Uh, if you really want a, a small boxwood, that uh, there's one called um, Uh-oh, Kingsville yeah. that has okay. a tiny, tiny little leaf, very slow growing, makes mm-hmm. kind of a mounded. And is that parents. a type of English boxwood, Jim? Uh, it is not, no. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a great little d- miniature dwarf. If you wanted that if look, you, yeah. Yeah, you know, a 20-year-old one will be 18 inches tall. Uh, that might be pretty good for a parterre. Yeah, but see, I'm old-fashioned. I'm old fashioned. I still like the wintergreen mm-hmm. that I keep sheared. I've got five yeah. of them, you know, that faces, I guess, what, east. They get full morning sun. But they're around the bay window, guys, and they look like little beach balls. I just keep them sheared. But I also <laughs> like the baby gems. You know, you can keep those sheared also. they got a smaller leaf structure than, say, wintergreen does. But, you know, if you don't mind doing a little shearing three or four times a year, any of those, are right. they're tough as everything. Wintergreen's so versatile because it'll grow sun, shade. It's mm-hmm. not as picky about pH as so many of the other ones are. You know, most boxwoods, you want to keep that pH up six and a half, approaching seven, yeah. to have a really good boxwood. It, it's kind of critical on those. Yeah. And y'all get a pH meter and yeah. just stick yeah. it in the ground. I mean, And then if something's off or if they're doing really badly, then maybe send samples into um, – where do we send them now? There's new places. Well, yeah, there's um, – Waypoint, if you want to do something here locally that's in mm-hmm. Bartlett, Tennessee, or you know, of course, you can go out to the Agricultural Extension Service and, and have send a analysis, send yeah. a sample through them, right? Because that just gives you much more detail. And there are some people that just go out there and put a most little... homeowners don't really don't really need that. Now, if you're growing mm-hmm. vegetable gardens, then you may want to know some of the micronutrients. But the most important thing you're going to want to know is how well it drains, and you can tell that, okay? And then make sure that your pH is right. And that's 
that's pretty much it. Yeah, soil tests are really good to also help out the garden centers when somebody comes in and uh, 30 plants died and they want their money back. And you analyze it and you know that they weren't planted right and they were too wet and on and on. But they don't believe the gardener. So you get samples from everything, send it in, and it comes back they were too wet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they were dying of root rot and, and so forth. So it comes in handy that way as well. <laughs> well, and then, you know, the old Mid-South Garden Guide, you know, the gardener's Bible, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had some uh, some recipes in there for feeding your boxwoods. Yeah. And remember, it used to be, you know, some cottonseed meal, uh, milorganite, uh, maybe some lime. But, I mean, and, and honestly, those products are great mm-hmm. for your boxwoods. And now you can get them in the plant tone. You pre-mix. can. Yeah, and, and I like to use a product that's completely non-burning. Mm-hmm. Boxwoods are very shallow-rooted, so you got to be careful potentially on the type of fertilizer that you're using. But I always like to throw a little lime in there on yeah, these boxwoods, and I just so do it every year. So the Mid-South Gardening Guide you, you mentioned, all three of us have uh, participated in, in putting uh, information in there or writing in there. When when did that come out, though, the Mid-South Gardening Guide? Because it's still— Eight, ten years yeah, ago. Yeah, because it's—I was reading, you know, some of the things, and I had recommended some organic products that— that they don't make now or the companies combine to make one so it's kind of like on the part where the organic products are you you go look for them by that name but they're it's now where you go to your independent garden centers right you know. so they can ex, you know discern on it but y'all give us some calls after after this break we'll take more of your gardening questions 260-5926 Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We can answer your garden questions, 260-5926, or otherwise we'll just talk about everything we do. Yeah, and you can go to Facebook, uh, the Mighty 990 Facebook page, and you can see Miss Vader right there. Shoot us a text or go to kwamradio.com, uh, streaming all the time. And then, like I said, if you don't catch the show, there's always the podcast you can listen to later on. So a lot of different ways to get in touch with us, no doubt about it. Jim's looking out, breaking Well, out. yeah, you know, every, like I say, every year I get inundated with catalogs. And, and two of them that I'm going to talk about today, uh, you can send off for them or you can look at them online. Uh, one of them is Jung Seeds and Plants. J-U-N-G? Uh-huh. They have they have lots of stuff, you know. They, uh, they do lilies and all kinds of package bulbs and stuff, which they're probably buying and reselling, but... They have some. They have some really unusual vegetables, so it's worth taking a look at them. I bought some stuff from them and was not disappointed. So that's jung seeds and plants. And do they also carry other than vegetables, Jim? Oh, any? Oh yeah, a lot, lots of ornamentals. Okay, lots good. of unusual things. Now, if you really want unusual, this is one called One Green World. Uh, they have over a thousand varieties of edible plants. Uh, most, a lot of these that we call weeds, you know, they call. Um, so they're uh, probably selling dandelion seeds in there, yeah, you know. Uh-huh, yeah. Exactly. So they have. Lo- it's mostly this particular catalog is mostly vegetables, but they grow some unusual plants. Um, that, in fact, this is where I found my uh, my whale's tongue agave. I found a young one from them. 
Uh, it's called One Green World, and uh, it's a really interesting catalog. And I've gone, I go through and, and mark things that, like I said, put stars on them, the things I want to read about and and see if they're uh, can push the limits maybe and, and grow them here. This whale's is a nice tongue, whale's tongue, whale's, whale's tail, whale's tongue, agave. Man, yeah. so look, can, it, what's a whale's tongue look like? Uh, Do uh, I want to you know, see that? Yeah, every whale's, whale's, whale's <laughs> tail. Sure. Actually, I have a picture of a mature one. I'll pull up there on my phone. Which the is whale's tongue or the agave the wh- whale's tongue? <laughs> it's the whale's tongue agave. Uh, it's agave ovatifolia. Hey, it has um, part of my name in it. I can remember that one, Avedafolia. Look at that. I got that. Uh, it is my favorite plant over at the Botanic Gardens, and I usually take a picture of it every time I go oh, over there. Oh, I cannot wait. It's the uh, Botanic Gardens. Is yeah. it in the gardens, or is it like in no, front of the... No, it's actually in the, the parking lot Yeah, the, where the I cactus thought. garden is. <laughs> right, right. I tell you what, these catalogs do have great information in they them. They do. They have a lot of good information, mm-hmm. a lot of interesting pictures, but it gives you some options of things that you things that you may not find in your local garden Yeah, because there's so much to carry. But they blow, right. I mean, there's so much to look at that I get like sensory overload. Yeah. And and I can't discern anymore, <laughs> which, well, that's like us buying plants for the garden centers. And I'm going to get some proven winner Calabrocoa. Yeah. Or Calabrocia, <clears throat> however we say it, million mm-hmm. bells. Yeah. But the list of the choices are so many colors. You can't go wrong with any of how, them. Yeah, and it's like, how am I going to pick? And then you've got this, uh, like, people come in the garden center. I want that yellow calorocoa. And then you show them all the colors, and they're like, no, no, I want that one. Yeah. No, wait, I want that one. And then they're going, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm just saying, just go with the original thought. I mean, the million bells, they look like little baby petunias, mm-hmm. uh, and they do cascade over containers and so forth. It's a great annual. And it goes a long time it into does. the winter. As long as you don't keep them too wet, you're absolutely fine. But another thing, guys, is what about figs? You know, I know there are lots of figs out there on the market, you know, the old brown turkey and Celeste and all those. But for the last couple of years, it seems like I've heard more complaints about trying to get figs to create figs. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't really know quite what's going on other than weather-related. Well, that's all well, I'm yeah, thinking, too. Well, yeah, and a lot of the varieties that we try to grow here produce on two-year-old wood. Mm-hmm. And if you get wood damaged each year, then they're like not going to— Like we did last year. Right. They were frozen to the ground. Right. They're not going to produce until the second year afterwards. Celeste, LSU Gold, LSU Purple right. all produce best on second-year wood. So, so, meaning you could get a few figs out there, you, Jim, you on that one-year-old wood, but— Figs typically put on multiple crops. And the ones, the best crops are on on the two-year-old varieties are the ones that form late fall and stay right. on the tree through the winter. But we get those zapped almost every year. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, brown turkey produces on first-year wood. And one that I like, Little Miss Figgy, mm-hmm. which is a dwarf plant. And it is, the, it's the best-tasting fig that you will grow. I like the name, yeah. Little Miss Figgy. I do, too. But mine got, <laughs> mine got totally killed yeah. uh, in the November 2019 freeze. But it produces on one-year-old wood, so That's you can right. still get some figs. You cut it to the ground every year, and you'll get figs in the fall. And the same thing with the brown turkey. Right. So mm-hmm. let's just plant Miss exactly. Figgy and brown turkey and be done with all the other guests. And maybe plant some other ones, too, but definitely have those two in the ground. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, y'all. We'll be back for another hour. You can give us a call, 260-5926. You're listening to Veda and Jim and Kenneth on the Mighty 990.
the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call, 260-5926. So someone came into the garden center and... He had a yuletide camellia that he planted in the ground. Which I love them. Love them. But no, it never bloomed. Um, then he put it in a pot and it bloomed like crazy. Hmm? And then he put it back in the ground and it didn't bloom. Now the thing was, is I never got to ask more questions to find out exactly why this was happening. But I'm sure we can kind of come up with some reasons why that could possibly happen. Ground, container, ground. Well, first of all, I mean... You know, camellias, and how many times have we said that this morning? Need really good drainage. Okay, that's number one. Camellias need good high shade, filtered sun, mm-hmm. um, even though they'll grow in full sun, but yeah. they typically will get some kind of sunburn, you know, in the yeah. summertime. I thought quickly, and then Jim, you can go. <laughs> yeah. My thought quickly was the fi- fact that he pulled it out of the ground and it inspired it to bloom because... You threatened thought, it because yeah, you cut off some of the root right, system? Right, right. And that would help. Um, you know, a lot of times when we'll get a plant like that, it's just growing well. If we know that it's getting enough sunlight uh, and, and everything's fine, this will just take a sharpshooter and go around it a few times, cut a few roots off, mm-hmm. and that's enough to stimulate it. You know, plants have one function in life, to reproduce. That's it. That's, that's all they do. They, they grow to reproduce. And so uh, if sometimes we have to encourage them to do that. Uh, a lot of plants like wisteria, they don't bloom until they get to the top of whatever they're growing up. Um, that's how it happens in nature. Once they get to, they grow up through something, get to the top, they canopy out in full sun, and that's when they put on flowers. Uh, so in dogwoods, the same way, they usually are seven, eight, ten years old before they'll really put in many flowers because they're not in danger. They don't need to reproduce. So we can sometimes stimulate them to do it by a little root pruning or a little high phosphorus fertilizer, but root pruning is probably better. Um, and, you know, it uh, it will sometimes help them put on flowers. Yeah, so he definitely root pruned <coughs> it, taking it out of the right. container, yeah, mm-hmm. and then, then put it back in the ground. But and I it's still probably think, getting established again. Right, but I still it. think eventually it will bloom mm-hmm. in the ground. That's what oh, I think. Yeah. Now, should. other questions would have been, if I could ask him, was um, how much shade was it in before you moved it? Where did it go in a whole complete different spot? Where was the container? You know, so maybe the container drained really well, and then he didn't do a lot of proper soil prep um, putting it in the ground. So what after. is the perfect spot for a camellia then? You know, other than Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. Well, but I'm talking about here in <laughs> Memphis. <laughs> we grow everything that doesn't yeah. grow here. Yeah. Um, you know, the best place probably is protected from the hottest afternoon sun and protected again from morning sun if it's a Sasanqua. Um, the downside, again, this transition zone that we live in, we get cold and warm temperatures. And quite often, Sasanquas, the fall bloomers, want to put on color when we have. Uh, frost, right. you know, and they'll take a little frost on them, you know, but if you get a hard freeze on the flowers, it'll zap them. So if, you know, if you'll um, try to, and even just the shade of a deciduous tree, even without the leaves on it, will give them enough shade that you won't get frost usually on the flowers um, if they're open. But overall, so, would you prefer to plant sasanquas over japonicas here in the Mid-South? Uh, you'll have more flowers. Mm-hmm. They won't be as big. 
um, and they're easier to grow because the vast majority of them are hardier. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly now, we have like the Ice Angel series and the, and the Winter Jewels that are hardy really to St. Louis and probably yeah. a little further north. Because the dank was the ones blooming now. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's so wonderful to have those blooms now. Yeah. And they're, most of mine are going out of bloom now. Mm-hmm. They've been in bloom for a long time. I've got one that's just beginning to start. There's one called uh, Green's Blues, which is, it has a, a burgundy flower, but as it matures, Ooh. it has a blue sheen to it Ooh. over uh, as it gets to two or three days mm, old. It's a real pretty, that. but it's a very late bloomer. So um, um, is it tight, bud? So like this coldness to next couple of nights? Oh, that won't bother it. Yeah, yeah no, good. No, this, is, this isn't cold for them, so it'll be fine. It, now, you, my japonicas got, took a, a real hit. In, those are in the, the spring blooms. Right. And I, I have just a few. I have a couple of scattered fly, flowers on all of them, I think. But I've got one that was in a very protected area, and it's it's going to have uh, Bob Hope, which is going to have a whole lot of flowers on it. Mm-hmm. But my uh, my biggest one, my my uh, big professor sergeant, is I don't think it's got a single flower. Uh, mm-hmm. it lost oh. it. Yeah, it it, love, it had yeah. so much wood damage, and it's put on a little bit of growth but mm-hmm. i've had to trim a lot of dead out of it so you know because it's it's really a zone eight plant yeah and you would see a lot of people growing the japonicas in particular in these slat houses oh, where yeah. they were being protected yeah. you know but you mentioned phosphate jim super phosphate um any phosphate product whether it's super phosphate triple super phosphate rock phosphate any of those uh, yeah and the rate's pretty much the same you know if you're buying triple super phosphate you're using uh you know like a third of what you're buying using if you're using regular uh super phosphate so and there's not a bad time to put that product down if you're trying to get something yeah, to bloom but you can also you know you can if, if you're doing a lot with with like annuals using super bloom or some of those you can get some phosphate toxicity so you want to be very careful you know um, does that turn the plant the leaves purple uh, uh, the, or is that it's, it's usually a, a more yellow issue okay. uh and, and and burning around the edge of the leaves gotcha um so it's you want to be careful with phosphorus anyway where it's not as bad here because phosphorus doesn't leach in our clay soil very well so it it stays there uh if you get into sandier soils it's, it's what that's what gets out runs down the river and turns everything green in the gulf of mexico well and you know the case to point is you get a soil analysis a soil test run i don't think i've seen any soil test to date that where the phosphate levels just aren't off the chart. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot you know, of I mean, here yeah. in in our clay soil, and, right. and, and mainly that's because for years and years and years we used um, whatever fertilizer we had: six, twelve, twelve, triple thirteen. Uh, there was phosphorus in even every azalea food, rose fertilizer, lawn, lawn foods. Yeah, um, and it was just a one shot for everything. But now, you know, with a little science now behind it, we actually know better, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're not doing <laughs> right. that. You Well, I'm finding a lot of stuff like that. You know, like, in fact, this morning I was listening to something uh, from a Christmas tree grower. You know, he he has switched from uh, growing row crops into Christmas trees. Um, And his only thing he has to do is add water. He puts no fertilizer on them at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, What they found is the trees actually perform better (laughs) if they don't fertilize them. So, I mean, you know, he's saving tons of money. Oh, boy, isn't he? You know, uh, and... You know, he does have to water some, uh, but he's 
making so, a lot more money that right. way. Right. So it's just using the nutrients that are already available in right. the soil, which was plenty. You know, and, and uh, the guy, uh, and I can't think of his name now, that owns Plant Delights, uh, you know. Armitage? No. Um, the guy. Yeah, the that guy. guy. <laughs> I, you know, I know his name as well as mine. Uh, but anyway, he says, you know, he doesn't he doesn't fertilize anything ever. You know, he, he does some soil amendment when he plants, but mm-hmm. he never fer- puts fertilizer on anything. That, that, that's, so. I guess that's what I do, too, because I mix all the organic matter in the soil, and then I reapply organic matter, which isn't literally, which isn't fertilizing the plant. It's fertilizing the soil, mm-hmm. and then the soil now has the nutrients. It, it's supply. different if you're growing a crop, okay, mm-hmm. you know, particularly if you're doing container stuff. You, you, you've got to have some nutrients there that get washed out. Mm-hmm. So there, there are some things that you, you have to fertilize. But, you know, if you didn't fertilize your azaleas, they're not going to grow as fast, um, but they can still be quite beautiful. You know, so see, I'm I'm the other adage. I mean, I yeah, you know, he, when I'm feeding he, my lawn, he likes just, to see it grow. Yeah, yeah. And, and just cut his way back to the house. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, because I literally saw that happen to somebody, and they had to get uh, an extra lawnmower. <laughs> they sure. really did. And it that, was well, I mean, and let me say this: uh, my mother's azaleas. Uh, she's you know got nothing but azaleas in her front and backyard. And typically, I'll go out there uh, twice a year in the spring, and then again in the fall. And whether it's hollytone or milorganite, whichever one, you know, is available, I just give them a good, heavy feeding uh, spring and fall. And I tell you, it really does a great job for them. I know I'm not going to burn anything because right. I'm putting it out there pretty darn heavy. Um, and I know I don't have to come back and even water the product in. So it just works well. And I know there's other products I can use, mm-hmm. but it's just what I've been using, and it and it works well for them. Yeah, I like it because it has the um – beneficial microorganisms built into it as a lot of the micronutrients as well so you get a full feeding with it and uh, I guess if you wanted to really make something hurry, hurry up and bloom maybe if you're having a rose contest would you spike it with a little well, of course you something, would something yeah. to yeah. make if, it if you're growing up. cut flowers and things like that you're going to get better results by doing some fertilizing mm-hmm. you, you just are yeah. Um, you know, if you want really spectacular annual color, adding some fertilizer on a regular basis, uh, will will make them grow more. But you're trying to grow them, and they're going to grow themselves to death by the end of the season, yeah. and that's okay because they're annuals, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, you can. I want we always made our soil mix when we used to plant roses bare root, and um, I used a soil mix had one of the soil yards prepare it for us. And used a lot of organic matter and some soft rock phosphate, red sand, not mm-hmm. soft rock phosphate, red sand, alfalfa meal before mm-hmm. we were getting all mixed together. And uh, then I would fill the barrel with seaweed, soak the uh, roots and everything because mm-hmm. they're bare rooted in that and then plant them in that organic soil. And they did great. Yeah, the, the salesman for the, uh, it was Weeks Roses, came into the garden center and he was just in awe. He, he probably said, stole how the did idea. You, it was like, how did you get the bloom so big and the colors so rich looking? And the foliage is great. And I said, well, we just changed our soil mix a little bit. And then we 
by the time we'd got there, we had also taken worm castings and sprinkled it at the top of all the containers, you know, for food for later as well. But um, it does when you can get all the nutrients and micronutrients that a plant needs, you get bigger, better blooms. And saying that, we're going to take a break and we'll answer more gardening questions. 260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have some gardening questions, you better give us a call to get them in before mm-hmm. it'll be the, la- it's the last 30 minutes of our three hours. And this oh. will be the uh, last live show until um, the 8th, I guess it is. Um, yes, Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Uh, we will have the a best of show. Um, yeah, I'm going to listen to that one because I want to see yeah. what the best of is. Yeah. Me well, and Jim uh, fighting about, I'm not in it for the nitrogen. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to give us a call, guys, 260-5926, 260-5926, or go to com. You can stream us there. And, of course, the Mighty 990 Facebook page. But you can see Miss Veda right there. I'm sitting here looking at her as we speak. And you can shoot us a text that way. And tell your gardening friends, too, that they can go to KWM Radio and anywhere in the country and, uh, mm-hmm. and listen to us. We would appreciate it. You know, we had uh, some uh, numbers here not too long ago from uh, where our podcasts are being downloaded. You know, we got like Los Angeles and Chicago and Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, New York, Atlanta, Nashville, Louisville. So uh, those are in, in the top ten. So, uh, you know, we're, and we do we're, have- we're excited that we're getting uh, some uh, some good information out there. And, uh, and I know it's so fun to hear from people in the other con- uh, other states other countries yeah <laughs> well, foreigners you know, in north right yeah yeah that's it um but you know even new england mm-hmm. and all of that so different we're all in the united states right. but wow what difference in gardening it makes because a lot of people come down from other areas and they're just amazed at how horrible the soil is and that they have to spend a lot of money on the soil prep so they get to do less plants. Isn't that the truth? Because some places you're just blessed with good mm-hmm. soil, and here we're struggling every minute. We are blessed with good soil. We, we are. You're right. Yeah. But, yes. but you better improve the drainage around here. Right, as long as you do that, exactly. Because really, the clay soil is a great base. Yeah, and if you plant all natives, then you don't have to do anything. You this know? is true. Loosen Hardly it, hollies. Yeah. yeah. Well, that could be a little boring, though. The natives? Yeah, yeah. that's my issue. You know, I, you know, uh, a lot of the natives are too aggressive for my garden because I have a small garden. Um, but it's, you know, I'm. I like exotic stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to be able to grow some other Well, cool I get things. the natives when but, I go through the woods. But Sue and I'd hang on just a second, but you made a comment about some people from north move down here, and of course, some people from here move up north. I don't know one. But no, but you. <laughs> <laughs> Never met one. <laughs> but some of the people that come down, they're so used to, well, for example, they see our crepe myrtles blooming. You know, yeah. and I've had so many people come in the garden center and go, how do I get this thing back up where I live? And I'm going, Aww. it's not going to do you any good. You yeah. know, this thing's not going to make it through the first winter that you have like, up there. Like the hibiscus in Memphis. Yeah, but they, they're so used to, to seeing the, the blooming lilacs up there. Okay. Right. And, you know, well, we want to have lilacs blooming here it's and true. they want to have crepe myrtles blooming up mm-hmm. there. It's, it's like that everywhere. Fence, you but, know, that greener side of the fence deal. Yeah, yeah but. Well, mm-hmm. where, what? Connecticut. They have, I was so amazed on how you can make a really nice landscape with conifers 
um, there's mm-hmm. blues and there's yellows and dark greens, light greens. <clears throat> so beautiful and so inspired that I wanted to do it in Memphis, but you can't get that variation of that many variations of colors because some of those will not survive. No, of course not. But you can still get some different variations because you've got like um, the the blue, the owl, the owl. Tell me what gray I'm owl, gray owl, yeah, juniper. Yeah. 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 I mean, to get the really intense blues, though, you need like, you know, some of like Fat Albert Blue Spruce and some of those that just are not impossible, but difficult. It's Fat Albert. (laughs) I couldn't resist. I knew that was coming. Uh huh. Yeah. um, That Fat Albert, no. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, that one. The one that sat in the bucket in the garden center for like two years in a five-gallon bucket and looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So I moved it from that location, so we're going to see what's going to yeah. happen. Is it just going to say forget it? Because it's set there. It's just set there. I'm surprised it didn't root in the ground, but it didn't. I'm afraid to take it out and replant it. Well, I do love some of the conifers, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you need some evergreens in your landscape, including some of the conifers. But there are some that... We try to grow around here. We see it up north, and it looks great, but it just really doesn't want to be here, you know? Yeah. I mean, Am I thinking Alberta about Spruce, right? for example. That's it. I That's love them. The I love I'm them. Saying, I'm saying Fat Albert, but I'm trying. Alberta Spruce. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, we sell a lot of them in the fall. People put lights on them, and they expect them to live forever. Well, they might make it through the first summer. They and I can not. show you some that have been here for years. Oh, uh, yeah. you're right. And I've seen a hemlock here, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but they're all in the Midtown area. Because I'm guessing or knowing back in the day it was more cold, probably more consistently cold, for those to be able to take home. Yeah, we used to sell a lot of hemlocks when I was at PNS Garden Center many, many years ago. And don't think you can't grow one around here, but it needs to be in the right spot with the Mm -hmm. good, right kind of drainage. Of course, you can go more east, and I see them there. I mean, you don't have to go far before they're, you know, they're... 75-foot trees Yeah, go over in north Alabama. It's beautiful. Well, I remember last weekend, and soon I'd hang on, you know, I made a comment about the ewes, people growing ewes around here. Because you go to St. Mm -hmm. Louis, you know, you see a lot more, you know, of those type plants, but you can still grow them around here, not a problem. Okay, we'll be right back to answer your gardening questions. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're taking your garden questions, uh, 260-5926. And let's take Sunites right now. Good morning, Sunite. You're in the garden. Oh, wow. Where, why are you doing? We're doing good. Hey, Thanks Sunite. Good morning, buddy. <laughs> Man, I hope this sunlight hit all y'all in y'all face and y'all got motivated as hell. <laughs> 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 now, I see a little text up there, Sunite, that it says you might have a suggestion for making fig trees grow. Right, right, right. So uh, I take it this is an older tree just going to quit uh, putting out, right? Right. Well, look, what I suggest is to get you a, a sharpshooter or, you know, shell or sharpshooter is what I would prefer. Right. Mm-hmm. And the drip line of the tree go all the way around the whole diameter mm-hmm. of the uh, drip line with mm-hmm. it and cut the roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's uh, yep. then, after, then after that, um, get you an oak baseball bat. 
<laughs> and beat that trunk. Beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it. <laughs> when the thieves are right, uh, you can eat it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's really what's working is he's singing to the tree. That's what's making them uh, produce the figs. So you, So that worked for you. Yeah, I heard of, of, of people doing it and getting good success out of a, a, a tree wouldn't, although this was an apple tree, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't burn no apples no more. And uh, they cut around that drip line with that shovel and got a baseball bat and got now, on that edge. And, and I can understand, you know, the root pruning, pruning but yeah. I don't understand the baseball bat part. Is, are the trees still alive? <laughs> yeah, I would think you're likely to damage the trunk. <laughs> they said put out some good apples. The next time right? well yeah. it's like I, I think shaking the tree is probably better in fact there was a lady in england who of course had more money than she knew what to do with but she had one gardener whose only job was to go around and shake her plants and uh, so they did some actual research on it and found that it does it does actually mm-hmm. help that by moving the plant you uh it it does encourage growth uh in fact they found that it's best to do it between 10 and 12 in the morning so, <laughs> I'll give you something to do tomorrow. Yeah, shake your tree. So, soon I leave the bat where it is. Don't go out there and start beating the trees. Now, we surely don't mind the root pruning and the feeding, mm-hmm. but we're going to hold off on the beating the trunk with the bat, okay? <laughs> All right, be y'all judge, man. I just threw that in because that was part of the formula. I know, right? <laughs> that was cute. I mean, you never know. Uh, so nice. Uh, night. You fun. have a good holiday season, yeah, Christmas, man. and everything. Thanks and we for will. all the calls. We'll see you next year. Good, good thank hearing from you, Sunai. Do what? I said thank you. I do as I'm told. I have a good season. Oh, you got there it, buddy. you go. <laughs> all right. Um, so, well, which then reminded me of something. Say, I heard that when you're planting things in a container, if you take the container and kind of bounce it on the ground or container mm-hmm. not bounce it but what what you know just hit it on the ground a couple of times yeah. that that makes your plants grow bigger better better that you have to do it to make your plants grow better yeah. but what it's doing is just getting the air pockets out when no, you right. kind of shake it Ooh, and that was so the hardest thing in trying to get uh, the people potting it in in the nursery <laughs> business is to not pack soil around the roots mm-hmm. you've gone to the trouble of buying loose soil and then you want to <laughs> force it and pack it down in there yeah. as tight as it can be and you know in fact you'll see people plant trees in their yard and then they'll go stomp around the <laughs> oh, thing you no. know after going to all the trouble loosening the soil um but you know when we pot perennials we you know fill, put a little bit in there spread the roots out fill it up to the crown and then just pick up the pot and drop it and shake it a few times mm-hmm. to settle that around it and sometimes you have to go back and add a little soil to them occasionally. yeah yeah i always but, do yeah. but i don't want to pack it down in there you know mm-hmm. and i want to cut roots off that are too long you know, I've had people, and it's hard to get them to stop sometimes, that they would twist the roots up and, and oh, put uh, them around the inside <laughs> of the pot, you know. <laughs> We're trying to make that not that, happen. Yeah, it's exactly right, you know. That rose is not going to perform well down the road. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, you're talking about moving the plants. Also, you know, a lot of times when you buy a young sapling tree, for example, or, or when you buy them, sometimes, whether they're six, eight foot tall, they'll come in state, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and then you plant this tree. A lot of people keep that stake on there. Sometimes that's a good idea, but a lot of times they say also just movement. The wind blowing yeah. these trees helps build the rigidity. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes the trunk stronger. Mm-hmm. 
instead of you waiting yeah you know to take this this prop off this this mm-hmm. you know this stake off of a staked tree right yeah and As then the thing it. breaks in half so movement is good right, uh, especially when it comes to these young yeah. trees that people are planting that come in mm-hmm. staked yeah, and the best thing to do is just get your sledgehammer and tap that stake all the way down into two feet further down so that it's in the yeah. subsoil beneath the tree. Mm-hmm. That way it still allows the trunk to move back and forth. A What's single it? stake right beside the trunk right. is the best way to oh, stake a tree. Yep. Instead of all those Instead guide those wires hanging right, out. three wires hanging out so the tree can't move at all. Yeah, I tell you about those wires. Walking, th- running through the yard. Through <laughs> We've the all landscape. been there, done that. <laughs> Didn't see the wire, got caught up in it, and just sailed like Superman mm-hmm. across the yard. Not mm-hmm. to mention it was front of the new landscape crew. So well, may as well got same, all that over with. Well, it's like running through a yard that's got mold tunnels all in it also. Yeah. You know, oh. either you're tripping over the big mold tunnel or the mold mound that they're pushing yeah. up, or you're sinking, <laughs> sinking up to your neck. It. Uh, one thing I want to say real quick on the trees, is it just like a year to leave the stake or is it maybe two years? If two it's wood, I let it rot off and then the just stake? break it off at the ground, yeah. 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 Because, yeah. uh, you know, to uh, get the rigidity of tree built up. You need that movement in the trunk, sure. Yeah. But you get that with one stake. You get versus, that with one stake. The stake versus will move the, with it also. Right, that's it. Versus the three guide wires that you put up right. and it's pulled so tight. It and it gets no movement at yeah. all. Right. Yeah, so that makes sense. Well, um, and we were talking about the moles and voles oh, yeah. running through the yard, tripping and, and sinking up to your knees or whatever. Um, you know, we it seems like we talk about this every year, and it seems like every year it just keeps getting worse and worse. Uh, there's a, a population out there of moles and voles, but just starting with the mole. The mole, the M-O-L-E, is the one that's digging around looking for worms and grubs to feed on. That's all he's doing. I mean, they're really a compliment. Yeah, they're but they're tearing so up scary. your yard in the meantime. Um, and is there a really a great way to get rid of moles? You know, no. Is it's there, consistency. Well, it is. But is there one product that is no. head and shoulders above the other product? I don't no. think so. But there's uh, granulated mole max, which is nothing more than castor oil. It's a repellent that you put out there, completely safe to use around me, you, the dog, the cat. Uh, so that's surely one way. There's um, grub killers that you can put down, like Dialox or whatever. And in theory, if you kill their food source, they're going to mm-hmm. go somewhere else. And then there's the baits and the poisons that you got to be a little careful with. The juicy fruit, the windmills, the hair, the yeah. cat litter. The broken glass, none yeah. of that, yeah. <laughs> but but also keep in mind that as the soil temperatures cool, uh, typically the grubs and the worms go a little deeper. Well, the mole is like a shark. It's going a little mm-hmm. deeper also. So you typically don't have a problem with them when the soil temperatures are cool or cold. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not down there. Next spring, when the soil temperatures warm up, well, here come the grubs. Or next week. Or next week. Thank you, Jim. (laughs) Here come the grubs and the worms. They're getting closer to the surface. Well, here come the moles again. So, you know, there are angles, like I just mentioned, you know, the traps, Mm -hmm. the baits, the grub killers, and the repellents. Uh, And I'm not saying don't try any of them. Most definitely you should. Well, I just thought of this while we were talking. Like, moles, their noses are so sensitive, of course, that they don't want to feel the rock. You know, that they just go where the nice soil is. What if um, in the mounds we started putting that enlighten or the permatil, the little rock in the mounds? Or no, it'll in make the, you feel better. The, that's all you're doing. I know. They'll but go see, around there. I was going to yeah. say, they'll probably just stop and go, eh, 
Let me go this I way. I think the easiest thing is, well, it, darn. is mm-hmm. it really is the castor oil, the Mole Max. You can buy it in a granulated version or you can get a liquid ready to spray version. And they're both exactly the same product. But it's been proven they just don't like that castor oil. But like you said, consistency, Veda, mm-hmm. earlier, uh, I know people that have used it, and they'll come back and sometimes in a month, sometimes two months, and they'll reapply it because eventually the moles will come back. But it actually does a pretty good job. Yeah, because they don't like that on their their fur, mm-hmm. the castor they don't like oil. The smell. So, or the smell. Yeah. And then, of huh. course, the grub killers. You know, the only drawback with that, the Dilox, and we sell a lot of it for mold control, is it will kill the grubs. And there's a lot and of grubs the worms, out there now yeah. with, that we have Japanese maples, but it will kill a lot Japanese of Japanese maples? I mean, Japanese beetles, sorry. <laughs> uh, so more grubs out there than we've ever had, but it will kill. I was paying attention. Yeah, yeah. the earth uh, worms I was also. staring into space. <laughs> and a lot of people don't like to do that, but right. you got to get rid of the earthworms, too, if you're really trying to get rid of the moles. You know? Yeah. And then you want you don't want to get rid of the earthworms, but if you did just to control the moles for a moment, then you add some more organic matter or, And they say they're back by eighty percent within a year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um gosh, there's just no way around it because and they're then getting, in twenty years when we have jumping worms here we'll be introducing uh, moles to control them. Right. I don't, those jumping worms are I was reading about that too. Man, I don't want to be talking you know? about what? that. It's you, for you, real. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're not here yet, but they will. They'll kill your earthworms. They mm-hmm. decimate soil. Yeah. Uh, it's they're, they're bad news. How are we going to keep them from being here? They're going to get transported in. Eventually, they will. And where do they come from? What exotic? I think they're Japanese. I think. <sighs> so. I was going to say the circus. But they have there. They have natural. Uh, predators that keep them in check but not over here that's right so that's i need to read about thing. these jumping worms you do well we need to hurry and get the predators here but <laughs> do the predators survive players and they're doing these jumping the motions issue. you know if you introduce the predator what else yeah. might they damage right. you know they may just play kill all your earthworms you know so man what are we going to do that's going to be horrible we're i guess just, we're just going to sell lots of earthworms just now. wait and see and let mother nature take care of itself <clears throat> oh well, you a lot know, of people aren't that patient, though, Mr. Jim. Oh, that's making me worried. I don't like that. You know, we were talking about um, trees engulfing things, growing over things. Do you remember I showed you a picture? i got to show you, Jim, if I can find it. Insane. A crepe myrtle had Christmas tree lights on it. So when I left the lights on. They left the lights on forever. And as I was walking closer to this tree, because I could see it was kind of naughty, and I'm going, oh, what in the world yeah. can this possibly be? And I got closer, and it, it was wound around the tree, and I noticed these little light bulbs just sticking out of each little hole. That tree had totally grown around the Christmas tree yeah, lights. Not the best lights. idea to just oh. leave All those the way there. up. And um, too bad they didn't stay lit because <laughs> it didn't work at all. But there's nothing you can do now. So it's going to, I wish I could go back and see if it totally healed over. Well, it as, had to. It's like Jim over. said, one good swift cut at ground level yeah. mm-hmm. will take care of all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was a crepe myrtle, though. And it'll be back in no time. All over. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, it's going to be our last break before we finish up here. So we've got time for a couple more callers. And uh, that's 260 Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We've had a wonderful three hours with all of y'all. 
But we wanted to go out with giving you some more advice on what you can get for Christmas. Yeah, I wonder gifts. what they could do it in California because we've got uh, Steve, Laura, Darlington. Uh, they said, I just got a text. They're listening from California. Mom, so we, we thank you very much. Yes. We do appreciate thank that. You, thank All you. All the way from California. Well, one thing we didn't mention was you could buy statues. Oh, you were talking like, about like a gifts, gift for the garden? Yeah, like the St. Francis. Oh, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's becoming a lot. Uh, how about the, there? we have this cute little dog statue that lays on the ground. It's, a, you know, and it's called Belly Rub Puppy or something. And they're, they're so cute that you actually find yourself petting it. Rubbing the belly <laughs> of this dog. And they're like, wait a minute, what am I doing? You know, you're talking at the register and you're looking at the cute puppy and then we had a statue that was like a full grown size of a dog but he was uh laying on the ground but still you know sitting up but and he was tucked in behind a display at one time and i literally thought there was a real dog there yeah they make great gifts for the gardener yeah. and then you know we mentioned in the first hour uh you know the just the old-fashioned gift certificate mm-hmm. Uh, from your favorite garden center i mean they make great that you know stocking stuffers yeah and then, of course, you know, we mentioned this also, Jim, uh, is the old invaded the Memphis area, Memphis area master gardener calendar. Mm-hmm. It's a great calendar. You can find them at your uh, at your independent garden centers. Do you have any of the Memphis garden guides still for sale? Uh, we're completely out of Memphis garden guides, but we still have some calendars left. Oh, yes. Gotcha. Okay. You know, and then um, those are good. Yeah, because see, here's the thing is there's so much information out there and Mid-South is a difficult it's. You know, you just have to know a little bit more. You better. I think so. If you're following the Master Gardeners and the Mid South Gardening Guide, mm-hmm. um, you can get things that are for this area because we I get a lot of people just reading magazines and internet, and then you're they're so excited and they can't wait. They're just set on that plant. Yeah, they, they, for and some reason like, they can't grow here. lilacs and lavender for you know just the way they do in other places. Yeah. yeah. You know, so yeah, that's a, as an example. And then, but you I always thought it was funny. There was a Tennessee Gardening magazine where you, you know you sent a question to their expert that lived in Ruston, Louisiana. Yeah. You oh, know. I saw that too. I mean, not There's that something one. Wrong with that. Yeah. yeah, makes no sense. <laughs> or somebody from um, New York writing in our Southern magazine. Yeah, and then, but know. they they produce the magazine for lots of markets. You know, they just mm-hmm. change the title page and a few articles here and there. You know, but all the questions went to Ruston, Louisiana. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, also um, a lot of folks don't know that you can grow things in containers all winter, like. Um, evergreen hollies mm-hmm. and uh, the junipers mm-hmm. they well, junipers actually look really good in containers but there's a lot of winter stuff you can do in big containers i would say so you didn't have to worry so much about it freezing completely through but um, especially people that come down and just start gardening in the south and planting in containers for the winter is definitely unheard of there. Well, you're right. A lot of people like to use or have evergreens in their containers. No one likes an empty container, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a lot of times, you know, they'll it's the same container that they had their annual color in that they planted in the spring. Well, of course, that's been pulled out. It's long gone. But they want something in there through the, the fall and winter. And like you said, Veda and Jim, if the container is just not quite big enough and it freezes completely through the container, of course, it can kill whatever mm-hmm. you put in there. But usually when you're putting boxwoods, hollies, uh, upper, you know, conifers, Alberta spruces, whatever, 
typically if it's a 14-inch pot or more, usually it's okay. Yeah, you know? about 14 And especially if you keep that uh, root system moist in the wintertime when it's really cold. Yes. <laughs> I did that on you on purpose. Hey, you were talking about that um, Professor Sergeant, Professor Sergeant, mm-hmm. Camellia. Camellia. Oh, my goodness. The blooms are amazing. They're so red. And they're like a carnation. Lots of foliage. So, anyway, unfortunately, it's time for us to head out. We do appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, we've had a great year. We've mm-hmm. become syndicated now, which we uh, we thank our supporters because if, if we hadn't had so many people listening, you know, the, uh, the higher-ups here wouldn't have thought we could do this. Um, so... Uh, we thank you very much. We uh, appreciate our affiliates that have been uh, with us here uh, in uh, Greenville and in Chattanooga. Nooga Radio. Uh, yeah, man. And, and the talk of the Delta. So uh, anyway, we're going to uh, – we hope everybody has a great Christmas, a great holiday season. And a um, happy New Year. Yeah. So yep. the next two Saturdays are going to play the best of the Mid-South Gardening. I can't wait yeah, to find out what uh, the best is. That's the weeks that Bailey and Kenneth were not here. So <laughs> – yeah, you're just going to be stuck in that fantastic recliner reading your seed <laughs> catalogs, and that doesn't sound like a bad thing. See does you it? next year. <laughs> <laughs>